0: Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on.
1: Welcome to Farm Discipleship. For the last year or so, Rodney and I have discovered how much better raw cow milk is compared to what we used to get in the store. Every week or so, we now send a message to our friends, Steve and Lynn Horton, and order a couple of gallons from their home at NP Farm and Dairy in Farmersville, Texas. Yes, that is actually the name of the town. On each half-gallon container, the label reads, From Our Family to Yours. That has come to mean a lot to us, and so today we are glad to share with you the conversation that we had with Steve about their operation. In this episode of Farm Discipleship, we are going to hear about three things. First, how productive a farm can be without owning a lot of land. Second, how the kitchen is where healthcare starts. And third, the relationship between the quality of life of the livestock and the farmer. Have a listen, and thanks for joining us on The Farm.
0: Well, Steve Horton's joining us today for this episode of Farm Recipleship and um, Steve is co-owner of NNP Farm and Dairy with his wife, Lynn. And uh, we're glad Steve took the time to uh, sit down with us and, and visit about this place that he called home. Steve, tell
2: us a little bit about NNP and how it started. Okay, first of all, I'd like to say thank you for uh, asking me to do this, and getting to share our story. Uh, NNP uh, Farm and Dairy started out of a wish from my wife. She's always wanted a commercial dairy. Uh, we've always been involved in agriculture. We've milked cows and we've milked goats, and so we've done everything for ourselves for a number of years. But she had always wanted a dairy. And uh, I was a firefighter in McKinney for 29 years, had grown tired of city politics, had decided it was time maybe to come home. So I took the plunge of retirement and came home and we opened NNP Farm and Dairy. And I guess it was the fall of 2016. Okay. So we're, okay. you know, working on four years. Yeah. Here. Yeah, yeah. It, uh,
1: Wait, you've got, you're doing so much.
2: It has snowballed from yeah. where we, from where we first thought it would be. So
1: what did you start with?
2: We started out actually before I even retired, we started going to the farmer's market in McKinney, right. Chestnut Square. Uh-huh. Yeah taking some eggs and some jam and jelly. Right. Uh, We had been invited uh, to a little farm stop store in Frisco originally to Mm -hmm. sell eggs. That lasted only a short time. Yeah. Uh, we found out there wasn't an egg vendor at Chestnut Square. Right. So we started going there. Uh, The first week we were there, we sold like almost a hundred dozen eggs. I mean, it was really crazy market. So we figured out right there that we could actually probably make a little Mm -hmm. bit of money doing this. Yeah. And that kind of spurred the idea, hey, this thing will take off. So we uh, decided to open the dairy, and we were going to sell goat's milk, and we were going to sell cow's milk, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a few eggs and some jam and jelly. And as we were continuing to go to the market, before we got the dairy open, we, uh, they needed a meat vendor. Mm-hmm. So we decided right then and there that there was probably going to be a market for some meat. Okay. So we pursued the grass-fed beef grass-fed chicken and we do berkshire pork here. So before you know it we had jams and jellies and eggs and meat. The dairy still not open yet. Okay. Uh, then we were uh, we were rocking along there to get the dirt work done on the dairy to get it open and we're, we were hit by a tornado oh. There oh, in no. December 2015, so that yeah. slowed down all the progress. Wow. Yeah. So we yeah. just hung on to what we had uh-huh. sold at the market and sold a little bit here until we could get the dairy up and running, which was months after we intended for it to open. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how many dairy cows do you have? I have eleven or twelve dairy cows on hand. I try to milk four or five at, at, at any time, and yeah. I let the others rest and they're off season. But uh-huh. we're uh, we're growing, so yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how many we need or how many we will eventually milk, but probably not over four or five at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And w-
0: w- what breed are they?
2: They are all Jerseys or Guernseys. We have uh, we have some pure pure Jerseys and some Guernsey Jersey crosses. Mm-hmm. Right. And so so this whole place we're on here. This is, how many acres
0: are we on? You There's know, only
2: the ten thing? acres in this place. Okay. Uh, this is a living example that you can do a lot on ten acres. Yeah. Right. Uh, I have the place across the road leased. Uh, I have the place to the north of us leased, and a place to the south of us leased. Okay. That we can rotate the cattle in and out right. on but the majority of everything that's done here is done on 10 acres. Yeah. Uh, that includes about 60 head of goats, 250 laying hens, uh, six to 10 cows, guineas, dogs, cats, <laughs> what, wow. whatever other livestock happen to be here. A menagerie. Uh, we only have about six to 10 hogs here most of the time. Okay. Uh, I have a friend that's a retired Plano fireman, uh, he enjoys doing the same thing that we do except he doesn't want in the retail business. He doesn't want to sell the things. Yeah. So he and I have formed sort of a partnership, so to speak, just a verbal handshake, and right. I have some livestock at his house, and we have turkeys there, we have some cows there, we have our some of our hogs there, some laying hens there, and uh, our hog operation there, we rotate the hogs in the pastures and on the fields where they can eat the grass and the acorns and those mm-hmm. kind of things. Yeah. So. We actually bring the sows here and I farrow the sows. When the pigs get big enough to go back to the grass, we send them back to Gary's and he puts them on the grass until they're ready to process. We bring them back through here, get them processed. And and that's the way our our hog deal works. We did uh, heritage breed turkeys last year, grass-fed turkeys. We did did those last year and we purchased those birds a year ago. Mm -hmm. This year we actually Kept some of those back and raised some of our own, so we already have them. Already have them up, and they're they're on pasture as we speak. Right. So they're going to they're going to be a little bit older, maybe a little bit bigger this year. Nice. That's
1: great. So you grew up here, um, and your parents were farming.
2: Actually, my dad was a mail carrier in okay. here in Farmersville. Okay. My mom was a was a stay at home mom. Yeah. But we always had livestock. My yeah. dad raised cattle, sheep, goats, hogs, chickens. Yeah. I grew up with everything. You grew up. You grew up in it. I did. I grew up in it, and I was early involved in agriculture uh, in FFA. I had intended to go to college to be an ag teacher or a veterinarian. Yeah. Uh, at the time that I graduated from high school, it was virtually impossible to get in vet school. Yeah. yeah. At that particular time, it yeah. was the odds were stacked against us pretty, Man. pretty, pretty substantially. So I started going to college to get a teacher certificate to be an agriculture science instructor. And I figured out real quick that I could make more money being a firefighter, and I only had to work a third of the time. Right. So that right. was kind of up my alley. That's right. So I quit college about a year uh, from graduating and yeah. went to work at, at the fire service, and that's what I did for, for a living for all those years. Yeah. yeah. In McKinney the whole time? In McKinney the whole time. Okay. You work 24 hours, and you're off 48, so yeah. that gives you plenty of time to do other things on your days yeah. off. I have did a they, nephew on a firefighter. Actually, she did. Uh, they were a small farm with just cattle. Uh, as she became older, and when I say older, I'm talking about teenage years yeah. and on up into high school, they did move to town, but her grandmother and grandfather had the Jersey cows, as a matter of fact. Okay. <laughs> they showed Jersey cows throughout the 60s and early 70s, and, and they, uh, they were involved all that time. Yeah. But actually, she didn't live on a farm, so to speak, until we got back out here. But uh, she always canned our food. She's always had a huge garden, yeah. and uh, she's always been involved from that from that aspect. Of it. I just grew up in it, and yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe not. I'm not going to say that I was expected to do it, but it, it becomes a life, yeah. a, a lifestyle early on, and I mean, yeah. it's not something that that you, I don't think I ever chose it. I think I just never did do anything but that. Right. It's not that's a job. Of, it's a way. No, of life. that's just a way of life, and that's exactly. what we, what we did here. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sure my dad would think I'm crazy for what we do now. Yeah. I mean, doing the dairy. I mean, that's, uh-huh. I always wanted to dairy myself. Uh-huh. I never had the, the capital to ever start the dairy operation. Right. If you don't have the land and you don't have any equipment sure. or cattle or anything, the debt load is so enormous that you'll never get it paid back. Yeah. So yeah. the micro dairy is a way that we could get into it and not be enormous, but still be into the industry. And, uh-huh. and our times have changed and the food industry is changing. And, and it just afforded us a really nice opportunity.
0: Well, it kind of makes you think what we could do here on 130.
1: We're not doing near as much
0: as they're doing. But, right. uh, it just makes you think about what yeah. what the possibilities are. Yeah. on.
1: But you don't have to have 1,000 acres to be a farmer. You don't have to have 100 acres to be a farmer, apparently.
0: Wasn't it Earl Butts, back, Secretary of Ag, back yep. in the 60s, said uh, about agriculture, either get big or get out? Yep. Um, that was kind of like the beginning of the industrialized big ag.
1: It really got industrial ag um, giving us a new definition of what a farm had to be. And so we've forgotten that a small family farm can be, is, is the true essence of what a farm is. And Steve and Lynn are really a living example of that.
0: Without the, all the capital investment of, implements and mm-hmm. fertilizer and facilities and infrastructure, uh, you can do a lot.
1: How does it influence
2: your faith? I think you have to be pretty strong in your faith to get up and do this every day. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think it all ties together. Uh, yeah. If you, have to be you have to be pretty faithful in order to plant a garden because you believe there's gonna be a tomorrow. You know, mm-hmm. you believe that there's gonna be a harvest and that there's gonna be a good crop and and farmers throughout the world are, are are tied directly to the environment and to to what Mother Nature offers and what the good Lord has given us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I believe it ties directly and even more so this day and age with yeah. our food system and the shape it's in and mm-hmm. with the world headed in the direction that we're headed if, if things don't change it's you know it's, uh, it, it, it's very important right now, yeah. for sure. And probably more so than ever. I think, yeah, I think, yeah. you're, I think but you're right. The, it, uh, small farmers,
0: uh, farmers markets yes. are becoming very popular, and
2: people seem to want to know where their food is coming from. Right, right. They want to know the folks who grew their food. Unfortunately, we live in a society, in a, in a, in a place that a lot of people don't care about our well-being, and a lot of people are not trying to take care of us so to speak, we need to take care of ourselves. And mm. and obviously, health care starts in the kitchen. Sure. Uh, we need to be more aware of where our food comes from. Absolutely. If you can't grow it ourselves, we certainly need to have a relationship with the local farmers Absolutely. and ranchers to try to provide our food. And, and we need to leave this place a better place for our kids and grandkids. Right. Absolutely. Right. It's, uh, it's detrimental now that we make a change. And we've yeah. seen that drastically in the last few weeks and months that how broken the system is.
1: It's really opened our eyes. Uh, I yeah. don't
2: really have all the answers. I have I have a saying is I don't know very much about uh, about anything, but I know a whole lot of, or a little bit about a lot of things, you know. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I do have enough knowledge to know that the system is broken, but I don't really know how to fix it, but yeah. I I think we can start by taking care of ourselves and shopping local and keeping our money local and and that's just a healthy way to start. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um,
1: well, and you get to know
2: people. Absolutely. Absolutely. You get to know. It's uh, We try to provide a good product for our customers here. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to look you in the eye on Wednesday or on Saturday mm-hmm. when you buy the products and I want it to be good. I tell my customers, if you like it, tell everybody. If you don't, tell me and I'll make it right. Right. Uh, right. That's about the best we can do. I mean, if you don't like something, hey, tell me. I mean, right. m- maybe, I, maybe, maybe it's not you. Maybe it's my product or maybe it's just you or whatever, but I'll try to make you happy. Right. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Thank the Lord, we have lots of returning customers every week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it grows and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger every week, and Absolutely. and that's a blessing. And I that's sure. we're humbled to say that that it that it is growing. And yeah. I don't know how far we can keep up, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See see where it goes. Yeah.
0: And and you know we, we we seem to have come become so disconnected from our food. It seems like it's our society is so disconnected from. The farm, from the land, where your food comes from. All that well, absolutely. Know
2: it, just, it just comes from my food comes from the grocery store, right? We're at least well, two generations and three generations away, in some families, away from the farm. Yeah. We have no earthly idea. Yeah. Uh, I do see something that's that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. I see a a movement in the 30 year old age yeah. group uh-huh. that they are interested in where the food comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, A friend of mine, a farmer the other day, he said something to me that I didn't think about, but I've thought a lot about it since he said that. I said something about the kids that come to the farm. Mm -hmm. The kids that come to the farm have not a clue. They don't know not to chase the chickens. They don't know what's going on. They don't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. And he says, yes, but those kids are our next customers. That's right. Those kids are going to be the ones that their moms and dads have brought to the farm. Even though they don't know what's going on at the farm, that Mm -hmm. becomes a habit to them. That's the way they get their food. So right. as they become older and as they become parents, they're going to bring their kids back to the farm as well. And I probably never thought about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I probably never looked at it that far until yeah. he made mention of that. Uh-huh. But uh, we are so disconnected. We do need to know. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been just a few years ago that, that everybody was like, well, my grandma had a farm and we used to go there. Yeah. Right. Well, now they're not talking about that. It's their great-grandma had a farm yeah. and right. they used to go there. Right. You know, And so... So we're moving farther and farther away. Right Now we do have a group of people, like I said, the 30-year-old group that uh, I think is more concerned about their food and I think they will make a change. Mm-hmm. A lot of people thought it was just a, a fad or a trend and I don't believe that, I think it's a movement. Yeah, uh, sure. The COVID pandemic and the broken food system, if we only get 10 or 15 or 20 or 30% of those people to continue this, continue shopping locally, continue to shop in the farmer's market, continue to make changes in the way that they buy their food, uh-huh. it will be a great impact on the small farmer. Right, yeah. right. Uh, it doesn't sound like a lot when you say 10%, but 10% across the nation is a lot of people. It's a yeah. lot of people. And that makes a huge difference.
1: Yeah. Uh, at the farmer's market, or when people come here, or are there senses where you, it, it's about people. I mean, you get to, you, when you're when you're buying from your farmer, when the farmer is selling directly to the customer, you you end up in some relationships.
2: Oh, absolutely. We're not in the we're not in the farming industry. We're in the people business. Exactly. When it, when it exactly. becomes retail, yes. Yeah. So,
1: have there been uh, examples of where you felt a sense of community? Oh, absolutely. In, in, this, in this type of business. Absolutely.
2: And our, I'll back up a little bit and we'll talk about our dairy products a little bit. Yeah. We do sell raw milk. That is a very controversial topic in a lot of people's eyes. Uh, I have the saying that God made milk raw, and we kept ours that way. and yeah, That's uh-huh. that's kind of the way I, I feel about it. Uh-huh. But there's a lot of people in the world that don't think it's safe for this or that. Uh, probably our biggest enjoyment is to fix these little children that, that have allergies mm-hmm. to whatever, whether it's a lactose intolerance or... Or whether it's just some sort of an allergy to soy or whatever their problems are, but they can drink raw goat milk and thrive on it. Right. So that's that's probably our biggest enjoyment, and we have tons and tons and tons and tons of kids, several autistic kids, that uh, are suffering from autism for yeah. different reasons, and yeah. we won't talk about that right now. But <laughs> that's. Uh, and they come here, and they're non-verbal, and and they get on the gaps diet, and they use all of our products, whether it be the dairy products, or whether it be the honey, or whether it be whatever we sell here, and right. and over a period of you know weeks or months, they become verbal, and they start putting words together, and those kind of things, and it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Wow. And those things have happened to us here more than once. Really. Uh, they, uh, huh. we have a value-added product, and I mean, the milk is just a wholesome product that's good for you. Right. And we are, and we are happy customers. Oh, yeah. And I appreciate that. We love the In fact, We want to cool. get a couple of
1: gallons what we go. Hey, <laughs> I've got
2: them for you. So I, you mentioned but, GAPS. That's, that's a particular diet that the Weston A. Price Foundation has kind of put together for some of these autistic children and some of the children that have, uh, that have some health problems. Really? And it's... Uh, it's long and it's it's detailed uh-huh. and it's very interesting to me. But the Weston A. Price website has has all that information on there. Mm-hmm. Weston A. Price, Price. yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Real-milk.com. Uh-huh. That is a that is a wonderful website Jam packed with information on what we should be eating and uh-huh. how we should be eating it, yeah. and what those foods how those foods affect our bodies and our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, on our uh, Back to our back to our dairy products a little bit we are uh, we are licensed by the state of Texas as a raw for a retail dairy mm-hmm. We're inspected 17 times a year by wow. somebody Wow that's a good thing in my mind sure. Sure. it doesn't bother me we want our products to be healthy yeah. the last thing that, that Lynn or I want to do is make someone sick
0: mm-hmm. and
2: ourselves sure. and all of our family drink it as well so mm-hmm. we don't want it to be bad in any way right. So with that being said, we are licensed with the state, they inspect us, I take milk samples at minimum of once a month, send those in to be tested, so uh, all of our animals are tested once a year for all the diseases that's required by the state, uh-huh. uh, facilities, like I said, are tested at least once a month, mm-hmm. so we uh, we feel that we're offering a, a healthy product. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of raw milk available in a lot of places that's not licensed, and those people can do what they choose. Yeah. Uh, I would recommend that anybody that's going to drink raw milk would at least, you know, know that the milk was tested and that the facilities are tested or inspected. Yeah. Okay. but other than that, it's a personal choice. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. You said how you you need to have faith to be a farmer because you know you believe, you believe there's a tomorrow. You plant the seed oh, absolutely. and
2: you trust. Absolutely.
1: When do you feel close to God out here?
2: I think that you can feel close to God out here any morning that you open your eyes and step outside. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can just see everything all around you Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, I mean, things change daily and, and there's not a huge explanation other than that God created it. And it just, it's an evolving, evolving day to day operation here. Mm -hmm. And he is in control of the entire thing, whether you like it or I like it or whoever likes it. That's just, that's simply the way it runs. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't really understand how those people think that that doesn't exist or how that couldn't exist. And I don't even think about that on a day-to-day basis. I right. just yeah. I look at the good that he brings every day, and we have been extremely blessed here uh-huh. to get to get to, to where we are. Beautiful place. How many folks do you have working for you? Well, that's a, kind of a, depends on what day it is. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. We started out with Lynn and I by ourselves because we didn't have enough enough capital or enough income coming in to make it ends meet. Uh-huh. We've had a couple of two or three employees along the way, but today we have our goddaughter Carly. Uh, she's here. She had a baby a couple of years ago, and instead of going back to the to the corporate world or to back to wherever to work, she just decided to come here. So she works for us during the day and milks the goats. Mm-hmm. We've recently hired a young man from from Frisco. He's been here about a week. Uh, he's only 15, a city kid, right? but his desire is to be a farmer. Uh-huh. Uh, his dad's a police officer. His mom is in uh, the corporate world. Uh-huh. He has no ties whatsoever to the farming world,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: that's his desire. Yeah. So much so that he's 15. He has raised beds in his backyard in Frisco. He's raising his own vegetables. He's interested in cross-pollinating peppers and, yeah. and making them hotter and doing things like that. So he's... <laughs> He's been bitten by the farm bug. Yeah. Uh Megan Neubauer at uh, yeah. Pure Land Organics uh-huh. sent him she kind of sent him to us. Mm-hmm. Right? He approached them for a job and her Jack didn't have anything to do uh-huh. with, with him at that particular time. And uh-huh. we were looking for somebody, so she said, Hey, I got somebody for y'all to try. So yeah. he's been here for about a week. Okay. Yeah. So uh, and then uh, there's a couple of kids that work part-time and another lady that worked part-time. Yeah. But yeah. I guess yeah. you might say we have three three different employees and nobody full-time. Yeah. Right. But we all take turns doing it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, we do things a little bit different on the micro dairy here. We only milk once a day. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Most of your commercial dairies milk twice a day, some of them three times a day. Oh. If you milk once a day, you lose about 20% of your milk production. But you but, do it once a day. But you only have to do it once a day, so you maintain somewhat of your sanity. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <Somewhat>. <laughs> The longevity of the livestock will be much longer because you're not pushing them as hard. Okay. Uh, the average lifespan of a commercial dairy cow right now is 2.5 lactation, which means she's going to have a calf two and a half, or two times plus six more months on another one, and then she's done. She's used up. Is that right? The cows that we have here on the farm that are outside on the grass doing what a cow does, can milk easily 10 to 12, 15 years. Is that right? So there's a huge, huge difference in the life expectancy of your livestock. Yeah. So they're not pushed and they're not uh, mistreated in any way. Yeah. And uh, we we milk them once a day.
1: Feel a sense of responsibility about that?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You have to be good to the livestock or the livestock won't will be, be good, good to you. Right, <laughs> I mean, right. It's so, right. It's very, so, they get
0: milked about every three days? I mean, No, they get, milked every, every get milked every day. All of them get milked all every day. All of day. them get milked all every of day. All get milked. But just once day. a day but as opposed day. to two times a day or okay. three times a day. So they all
2: get milked every day. Most of your commercial dairies, milking cows, milk at least twice a day and sometimes three times. Because they're
1: pushing them. They're really? pushing. Absolutely. Yeah. To get maximum But it's harder on
2: uh, not picking on commercial dairies at all, but there's one dairy, fairly local to here. They milk 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Wow! They shut down twice a day for 30 minutes to clean up. Now think about that. Yeah. Twice a day for 30 minutes to clean up.
1: Yeah.
2: It yeah. takes us an hour and a half to clean up here on a little bitty micro dairy. Yeah. So do y'all really think that's going to be a cleanup? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna right. say we're gonna flush the lines and we're gonna keep milking. Right. And that's and, and and let me let me back up and say that's not such a bad thing in a commercial dairy because that milk's gonna be pasteurized anyway. Right. So the whole their their whole ideas and their whole ways of doing things is different than we do here because they're not a raw for retail dairy. Yeah. So it doesn't matter kinda so to speak what gets in the milk, it's just gonna get cooked anyway. Yeah, <laughs> any it's right, Oh, absolutely. There's, I have favorite goats and favorite cows both. <laughs> there's some that I don't get along with, but there's some that I do. So
1: they have different personalities.
2: Absolutely. They all do. They all have they have all have personalities for sure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The goats are like having a two year old kid for the rest of your life. Uh-huh. That's uh, anybody that, that has goats and anybody that milks goats will understand that. Uh-huh. But they get into everything and it's non stop twenty right. four seven. Right. If you ever are here very much you will see every gate has a chain on it because uh-huh. they can open every latch. So everything has at least at least a lock and a chain or a, a chain and a latch. Uh-huh. And someone said the other day that they can get out of everything but a combination lock. And I said, yes, <laughs> but don't drop the combination on the ground <laughs> because they will find it. <laughs> but they're a lot of fun. Yeah. The goat's milk is a little bit different than cow milk. Yeah, uh, yeah. Goat's milk is naturally homogenized, so it doesn't separate. Oh. It is always A2, but that's a whole other thing that we could talk about yeah. for a half a uh, day. A1, uh, uh-huh. Next closest thing, to mother's breast milk, human, uh-huh. human mother's breast milk, so it's good for babies, good for little ones. Uh-huh. Uh, extremely good for your gut. Proteins are smaller, extremely easy to digest. Mm. And I'm here talking to goat milk, or to cow milk people See, yeah, I'm, I'm going to yeah. convert you here in a minute. I hear, I hear <laughs> in a minute. But uh, anytime anyone has any kind of intestinal problems or any kind of uh, gut issues, the goat's milk is, is, is normally an answer. Huh. Right?
0: What about Steve's statement in that last segment about mm-hmm. um, that health care starts in the kitchen?
1: I love that statement, and I've never heard it until... Steve Horton said it, but I think it's huge. The kitchen is where we bring the food in from wherever it's come from, and if it is nutrient-dense food grown on nutrient-dense soil, and you can't have one without the other, then we're going to have healthy people. Um, When we don't have nutrient-dense food because it's not grown on nutrient-dense soil, then we've got some real health issues, and we are experiencing that as a society. And so you know we've got a healthcare conversation, which is a huge challenge, but uh, our kitchen needs to be part of the healthcare plan. Uh, the other part of that is you know we're recognizing that we not only need to grow our food and source our food locally, hmm. but the other part is learning again how to cook. Hmm. I mean, what it, so what if we're growing this great healthy food, but we've forgotten the habit of how to prepare it? Uh, and I'll be honest. I mean, uh, we're in the habit of going out to eat more than we should. Uh, so we're we're just as guilty as, as anybody of that. Um, so you know, maybe there's some ways that we can get together as neighbors and friends and learn again some of the practices that that Grandma uh, knew instinctively.
0: Hmm. Yeah. What is it that small producers and small farmers can do to kind of help?
1: And what can communities Communities do? So it's not just all
0: of
2: the farmer. Talking about giving access to good healthy food. We actually, that's a good question and it's a huge question and it's a huge problem in every county Mm -hmm. as as Mm -hmm. we were saying. We actually were involved in a community outreach program in McKinney for a couple of of years back. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were approached at the farmer's market while we were attending there that the community lifeline in McKinney Mm -hmm. that uh, offers Help and support for people in need, whether it be food or whether it be, you know, utility bills or whether it be rent or whatever it be. Mm-hmm. They uh, they wanted to provide some produce and and good wholesome fresh foods at their at their food bank. Mm-hmm. So they asked around the farmers market, asked several producers and several vendors if anyone was willing to do it. Everyone said no except us, and we were dumb enough to. Them. <laughs> to, to fall in there and try it. So we did. Okay. Uh it was a humbling experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It uh how so? Just the fact that so many people are in need that, that yeah. you're unaware of. Yeah. yeah. And some of the stories that they tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh obviously I will throw this out, there are some people there that uh, were abusing the system.
1: Yeah. Sure. That
2: bothers me a sure. lot. You bet. There's probably more of those folks than we <laughs> realize. Mm-hmm. Uh, they drive up in a car better than I'm Driving, wearing clothes better than I'm wearing, and getting my free produce—that yeah. that that does bother me. So that's an issue that needs to be looked at yep. as well as providing the food. Right. Sure. We need to make sure that the food gets in the hands that it needs to be in. Right. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, we uh, there was a government grant that the community lifeline people got, and I'm not sure how it worked, but uh, the the recipients when they went to get their food from the food bank, they got vouchers so that they could spend with us. Okay. And there was a there was one other one other produce vendor that came once or twice, but they, they they didn't want to do it anymore. They were there just like two weeks. But we went to went there on Tuesdays every Tuesday, uh, and did a and did a little farmers market. We took uh, all that we could provide and all that we could get our hands on locally, uh, all types of produce. We took some jams and jellies mm-hmm. and we took some honey and, and mm-hmm. those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And it was an eye-opening experience for us as well as helping the people right i'm not sure that it wasn't more for us than it was for them yeah but anyway we did that for one year so that is one way that the community can reach out um, offering produce and things in the food banks and, uh, and yeah. the pantries or food pantries uh-huh. or whatever you want to call them uh-huh. it's a it's a, a hard situation to do but Think about how much food is left over every Saturday after the farmer's market. Right. right. Where does that food go? Where does it go? Sure. I mean, it could go to those needy people if, they ha- if we had somebody to distribute it and get right. it to them. Right. So, uh, yeah. I know for a fact that did take place in McKinney for a while because we all donated things at the end of the market. Right. So we, they could do whatever with it. Yeah. Obviously, refrigeration and being able to keep the produce and being able to make it last and, and those kind of things are a problem. Right. Yeah. Uh, as far as our dairy products go, uh, I don't mind helping someone, but the state says that the only way you can get our dairy products is to come to the farm where right. it's produced and pick it up. Yeah. And most of those folks that don't have a means to get healthy, yeah. like stable, wholesome food yeah, don't have so a means to get here. Yeah. You know, that that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, if we could ease some restrictions like that then i mean obviously we would certainly donate extra milk that we have fortunately and thank you lord that we don't have much left over but i mean what we do we certainly don't mind sharing yeah Um, sell what you can and distribute the rest so don't go to waste and and we have some customers here that that uh that have fallen on hard times during the covid you know right they're getting they're getting some help yeah i mean yeah and uh, you know who those people are and once you develop a relationship with with your customers whether you're the whether you're the farmer or whether you're the customer you you all know what each other needs you know right. and you can help help those people out any way you can that's right and uh, we certainly don't mind doing that yeah that's right but uh, that's, right. That's, that's a big question that, yeah how to help an entire community or a, a county or yeah. the first the mm-hmm. first thing is we need to realize that those people are out there and that there's hungry kiddos out there mm-hmm. I worked with some people at the fire department that thought I was crazy when I said that within walking distance of this fire station, there's hungry people. Yeah. And they're like, "Well, there's no way." They didn't believe it. There's too many programs out there to take can get food. Right. And I said, "How's a how's a four-year-old going to get food from a program?" Right. You know, I mean, right. and whether we want to like it or admit it or not, there's mom and dads are on drugs mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. kiddos are pretty much by themselves. Yeah. I saw it lots of times, and you know, uh, and I mean, right. it, it, you have to realize that it it's out there, and it can be anywhere in America. It doesn't have to be in the suburbs or in the cities or in, in the country. It can be anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all over. Absolutely. That's a big question, Ron. Yeah. Kind Yeah. yeah. Well, um, you're right. And
0: there's no easy answer, but I think um, certainly be aware that you know it exists. That there, it, it exists oh, absolutely. And you know what? can... Whatever, anyway, way anything we can do to to, to help
2: you yeah. know absolutely yeah uh, most of i think most of your producers as far as small scale farmers and ranchers probably if they're aware that there's a need whether you're a meat producer or whether you're a dairy producer or whether you're Microgreens or whatever you produce, I think you, that you'll find that most of those people are more than happy to give if they just know where or how. Right. right. That that that's a huge that's a huge problem. Yeah. And um, yeah. I don't know that I, I don't have the answer. Sure. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Yeah.
1: Because when you're growing or raising food, you want it to be enjoyed, and you, especially when you know what a difference it makes in people's health.
2: Oh absolutely. absolutely. And
1: and, and mean, there's health that we've already talked about. We've talked a little bit about faith. You know, as far as the spiritual aspect and understanding that that we're a part of this creation that was that is created mm-hmm. by something other other than but we're as farmers and as those who eat, we're in partnership with God. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, we haven't really talked about the word stewardship, but that comes up a lot in farmers, you know, thinking of this not being a job, but this being a way of life, Well oh, you mentioned earlier.
2: Most uh, most farmers that are in the industry, they, they want nothing more than to pass it on to the next generation and right. to keep the things going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a statistic last night that says 98 percent of our farmers in America are family owned farms. I'm not sure about that statistic. Yeah. that kinda of bothers me a little bit because I personally probably will have to disagree with that. Yeah. I don't believe at yeah. this point in time in June of twenty twenty that we are ninety eight percent family farm owned in this nation. I find yeah. that hard to believe. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say they're wrong, but I but They'll have to prove it to me. <laughs> you know, yeah. am yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit off on that, but mm-hmm. but I do believe I do believe that we do have a lot of people that are that are getting back to the basics, and a lot of people are more interested in farming. Mm-hmm. It's sad that the 30-year-old group that I mentioned earlier that mm-hmm. that are are interested about the food, and that there's a movement. It costs so much money yeah. to find a piece of property. Right. Like it capital. costs so much capital to get involved in this to get enough to get enough area to do anything mm-hmm. with that being said there's a ton of information out here on, on making a living on a quarter of an acre yeah I mean you know you can you can micro farm on, on a small small area there. Mm-hmm. I mean I mentioned earlier at the first of the, of the conversation that we do a lot here on 10 acres yeah. and, and there is a lot done here uh, is it the best management practices for the soil? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Is it the best means that we could do? No, but it's what we have and we have to make do with it. So we're doing the best that we can. We're not overgrazing and we're not we're not trying to destroy the property in any way. We're trying to keep it the best that we can, mm-hmm. but yet provide all the food that we can. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it works. We do things a little bit differently here. We grow all non-GMO, all right. heirloom vegetables. <laughs> uh, those things taste amazing. Yeah. There's so much different in, in those vegetables and yeah. what they are in your store-bought vegetables, and yeah. and uh, and just the whole the whole thought process of the vegetables grown in California, getting them or anywhere I'm, I'm not picking on California, anywhere right. in the United States mm-hmm. they're grown, they're harvested, mm-hmm. they're packed mm-hmm. in a truck, and they're in our supermarkets in 48 hours. Right. I mean, it's a, it's crazy to think about all that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but. Uh, the heirloom vegetables don't last as long and they're harder to transport and they're harder to do anything with so therefore there's not many of those offered in grocery stores or right. anything right. like that. You can't beat the taste. You can't beat the taste. No. Um, no.
1: Anything else that you want that you think of when when looking at the words food, farming, and faith? Food, farming, and faith. You've touched on some things already but anything else around that line?
2: I think that they all, they all tie so closely together. Uh, and, and each person, each family, each group of people is going to have a different take on what that means to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most people my age or, or, or older, I think, is going to have been brought up with knowing that, that God's in control of what we do and and just ask and you shall receive mm-hmm. i mean and just you know when you plant your seeds i mean thank you for the soil and, and hey god please bless this and let it grow mm-hmm. you know? and, and you'd be shocked at what all you get back right you
1: know? but. Ronnie, we've been asking each farmer we've been talking to about food insecurity give mm-hmm. me your thoughts on that
0: well there's not a county in texas that mm-hmm. doesn't have a food insecurity problem and mm-hmm. then it's only gotten worse during the pandemic.
1: Right. Not just Texas, but right.
0: Right. Getting our communities together to distribute leftover food. I mean, we need to make that happen. Food pantries and the food banks are are a necessary thing. And, we, and we've got to be providing... Farmers need to be providing them the healthy food uh, to these food yeah. banks.
1: Yeah. But can we... Are there ways that we can implement programs or whatever that are... That are more than just a handout, because um, food banks are great, and we do need to get fresh food in the food banks and food pantries. But uh, are there ways that we can get healthy food, access to healthy food for folks in a way that can restore their dignity?
2: Uh, I'm not going to say that you don't have it, you can't get it, but I'm, uh, it's it's a, it, it's a hard thing to yeah. when you get a grasp of, and yeah. you really. Is.
1: But mm-hmm. there's young people like you said that get the bug.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, it, a- it, and it, it changes it's their life. he's been bit. Yeah. <laughs> he's been bit. That's right. Uh, it's it's real funny. He uh, he's kind of a skateboarder kid, you know, kind of a city kid, and mm-hmm. you wouldn't think that he's going to be out here farming, and he loves. He's, right. He's been here three or four days, and he yeah. likes it. Right. Yeah. Uh, this young man, he is, uh he's got his mom and dad. They're customers now. They're drinking raw milk. And <laughs> right. They're eating our, our stuff from here. And it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. We were speaking, you, you were talking a minute ago about the, or we were about being able to get involved in this. and There's there's people out here farming, and I do know this statistic is most of them are 60 and above yep. or, that are farm owners at this time. Yeah. So we've got some of the young people that are coming along, and, and maybe some of these younger people don't have to have all that money. Maybe some of us can. Mm-hmm can maybe share some some place with them or or maybe we can develop some sort of a relationship as we get older and can't do as much, maybe they can do more, you know, and maybe we can work work around and maybe these kids or younger people can get involved more and and wind up and take the thing over, you know, but uh, we're not, we're not making any more land and we're building houses and covering all we've got with concrete, so I'm not sure what's going to happen with that, so we sure need to take care of what we got for sure Uh and try to, Try to keep it in, in in agriculture production and get it in the hands of somebody that will continue on. With yeah. it for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. But yeah.
1: well, it sounds like um, you're aware, and we're all becoming more aware of the broken food system that we have, and that gives us some heartbreak. Right. But it sounds like you have some glimmers of hope as well.
2: Absolutely. Uh, it's sad that the, the political. Uh, corruption that we have these days in, in, in all of our systems, I'm not just the food sure. system, but all of our systems, but but yeah, we do have a glimmer of hope when the young people maybe make some changes and, and, and do some things differently and, and hopefully get us back on the right track. Right. And, uh, I yeah. think if we if we tell our customers here that, that I don't care where you live, uh, I think you should have at least one raised bed in your backyard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you have at least one raised bed, you can teach your kids how to grow salad or, or or something. I mean, you can teach them how to grow something, right? Right. And at least that way, I know where their food comes from. Right. Uh, the uh, and I'm pretty sure a strong advocate on, on community gardens. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think that the city of McKinney is a wonderful place. I think they have a thriving downtown area. They've done a really good job with that. Uh, I want to pick on their crack myrtle trail for just a second. <laughs> right. They have spent billions of dollars with crape myrtles in the medians. What would have happened if we'd put fruit trees in those medians? Right. How many people could we have fed if right. we made if we made gardens and if we made if we made just spots that are not good for anything yeah. else, or that we can't do anything else with? I mean, there's irrigation already there. Why can't we plant well, vegetables? Right. Right. Plant something. I mean, what? And, uh, there's, there's maintenance to, to the, to myrtles, well, there's maintenance to fruit trees, every right. once a year, there's right. no more maintenance right. than that, sure. and you get a product, sure. and I mean, homeowners associations, I mean, they can, their, their owners, or their tenants, or whatever you want to call them, they can harvest it, or mm-hmm. homeless people can harvest it, or whatever, I mean, mm-hmm. it yeah. just makes so much more sense to me, Yeah. and, uh, the, the parks and the open space area, which is like a huge deal in McKinney, mm-hmm. you know? and again, I'm, not trying to pick on McKinney, but I'm kind of associated well, with McKinney. Well, I, I, I worked yeah, I worked there for lots of yeah. years, yeah, you know. Right. And I think they have a they have a wonderful opportunity to to do some things. Right. And, uh, uh, I also think that Farmersville mm-hmm. has an opportunity to capitalize on its name, if nothing else. Sure. I mean, I mean, come on, people. I mean, really, <laughs> and we're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. I mean. Uh, so it, it,
1: it's like, but. What if? I mean, what if we could? What could it look like? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. So just that visionary yeah. language that you're yeah. using yeah. and getting the right people together, right. Uh, representing different aspects of the community. Right. What, what are we able to do if we could just see it? Yeah. And, uh, and I, the next generation is, it sounds like, is ready to, to be a part of that movement.
2: Right. I would like to see in our school curriculums. I think we need to put, uh, and you can call it whatever you want. I'm just going to call it agriculture, but that's what that's, yeah. what, that's what we're talking about. But you can call it food science, you can call it whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But we need to put that back in our schools, and we need to have communities in school gardens. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from elementary school on up. I mean, we're going to School go outside garden. for a recess. Let's go outside and, and, and while we're out there, let's look at our garden and let's do right. this and let's do that. Uh-huh. And catches and Farm, Farm Bureau, uh, there's lots of organizations out there that are pushing for those things. Uh-huh. We do have lots mm-hmm. of schools that, that have you know gardens and greenhouses uh-huh. and horticultures and all kind of things in them now, which is great. Uh, we're getting to have more and more of those. But I think all these schools, especially in your inner city areas, mm-hmm. uh, those those kids can really benefit from yeah. from having some you know some work there. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Just and like I said, the medians and the vacant lots and mm-hmm. the open areas and full I mean, sun. so what if it's on the edge of a floodplain? Right. right. No big deal. I mean, let's plant something there. You can't build so, a house in there, but no, you, but can't, you can't put a, a house. So let's can do something plant else. Plant a garden. And, right. Yeah. And uh, I have a customer here that they live in Princeton, and they had chickens. Well, the HOA kicked their chickens out. I mean, call I mean. What? I mean, Right. I mean, what? Right. Uh, edible front yards. Yep. I mean, look how much money we spend on landscaping. I uh, know, mm-hmm. right. I mean, why, why can't we put a garden in the front yard? I mean, what's... I mean, right. Use that quarter of an acre you've got. I mean, right. and, and if, to do something with it. Yeah. And it's would that food. affect
1: the food insecurity rate that you just talked Absolutely. about earlier?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Would, would
1: people have affordable, accessible, healthy food that would change their lives? Absolutely.
2: And you can see in some of the in, in poverty areas that, that people have built farms and have built gardens and have done things, and, and homeless people are running them. I mean, they just—I mean, they just need a place. I mean, yeah. They just need, yeah. you know, a place and maybe somebody to say, "Hey, do this or do that." I mean, yeah. it's not—it's not real difficult. Right. But uh, we can uh, we can market the products. And, Still, no
0: Absolutely. And
2: they'll say
1: grace
0: over it. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this well, has been great. Thank you, Steve. Oh, yeah.
1: You know, at the beginning of our conversation with Steve, he indicated that he, uh, early in his life, he wanted to be a teacher. He wanted to be an ag teacher, and I actually think he is a teacher because uh, he was teaching us how to reimagine uh, our food system, to see some of the things that we're doing, uh, like our landscapes, having them be edible landscapes and edible front yards. You know, we talked about the broken food system that we're able to uh, recognize so clearly in this time of pandemic. The, in the, It is a revelation. Sometimes the word revelation is referred to as apocalypse and that is apocalyptic, but that doesn't mean it's the end of the world. It means it's the end of a time, a certain time. The old ways need to go away so that we can live into the reality of a new heaven and a new earth. And that's biblical, it's ecological, uh, it's how we grow our food, it's how we select our food and eat our food and live in relationship with one another And uh, his faith statement of being a farmer is based on the fact that we believe that there is a tomorrow. That's why he plants the seeds. And so there will be a tomorrow, but it needs to be a new and different tomorrow.